Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I'm going to read from a document that was published, or actually was uh, filed, in the federal court of the Southern District of New York, the same jurisdiction that arrested Jeffrey Epstein and also was involved in the prosecution, the successful prosecution, of Keith Ranieri of the Nexium uh, Mind Control Cult. This document uh, pertains to a civil suit that was filed between the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, against a variety of defendants, uh, starting with the Russian Federation, Donald J. Trump for President, Inc., Donald J. Trump Jr., Paul J. Manafort, Jared Kushner, George Papadopoulos, Richard Gates III, uh, collectively the campaign defendants, uh, the infamous Roger Stone, the Russian Federation, Aras Iskenerovich, Al Agalarov, Emin Aras Agalarov, Joseph Mifsud, WikiLeaks, and Julian Assange. Assange. So um, this is a second amended complaint. That means that the original complaint was updated twice uh, upon the judge's instructions. The judge in this case is John Coltel. K-O-E-L-T-L. And I think this is an important decision. It was uh, dismissed with prejudice, which means that the case was kicked out of court, uh, which is a colloquial way of putting it. Uh, but it was uh, the civil suit was ended by the judge after looking at all of the information pertaining to the case. Um, let's see. So I'll just read from some of this. Uh, this is what the, the decision that was filed on July 30th, 2019, an important decision that was not covered really uh, to my liking or not in detail. And uh, I quote, The action arises out of the alleged, action, alleged actions of the Russian Federation in unlawfully hacking into the DNC's computers in connection with the 2016 presidential election and thereafter distributing stolen materials from those computers, particularly through WikiLeaks, who in turn made those materials publicly available. While there are no plausible allegations that the remaining defendants participated in the unlawful hacking or in the dissemination of the materials by WikiLeaks, the DNC alleges that the dissemination of those materials furthered the prospects of the Trump campaign uh, capitalized, and that the remaining defendants, quote, welcomed, unquote, the assistance in various ways. And uh, the uh, plaintiffs kind of threw the book at him, all these legal actions. So they, they quote, in the second, and the judge addresses each one in turn in this decision. Um, so in the second amended complaint, the DNC asserts claims from the Computer Fraud Abuse Act, the RICO, Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organization Act, Wiretap Act, Stored Communications Act, DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the Defend Trade Secrets Act, uh, the Washington, D.C. Uniform Trade Secrets Act, and then a bunch of state causes, Virginia Commuter, Commuter Crimes, Computer Crimes Act. Uh, the DNC also asserts claims under Washington, D.C. common law for trespass and conversion and claims under Virginia common law for conversion, trespass to chattels, and conspiracy to commit trespass to chattels. The primary quote, the primary wrongdoer in this alleged criminal enterprise is undoubtedly the Russian Federation. The first named defendant in the case and the entity that surreptitiously and illegally hacked into the DNC's computers and thereafter disseminated 
the results of its theft. But as explained below, under the FSIA, the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, the Russian Federation cannot be sued in the courts of the United States for governmental action subject to certain limited exceptions, not present in this case, just as the United States government generally cannot be sued in courts abroad for its actions. The remedies for hostile actions by foreign governments are state actions, including sanctions imposed by the executive and legislative branches of government. The DNC seeks to hold the second-level participants in this alleged activity, the campaign, the campaign defendants, WikiLeaks, Assange, the Galarovs, Mifsud, and Stone, liable for dissemination of these stolen materials. But as also explained below, the First Amendment prevents such liability in the same way it would preclude liability for press outlets that publish materials of public interest despite defects in the way the materials were obtained, so long as the disseminator did not participate in any wrongdoing in obtaining the materials in the first place. The plausible allegations against the remaining defendants are insufficient to hold them liable for the illegality that occurred in obtaining the materials from the DNC. Therefore, for the reasons explained below, the defendant's motion to dismiss the second amended complaint is granted. So all of those defendants that I listed out, uh, this motion was defended. All, and they talk about the, uh, for sanctions, it's called the uh, Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 11. That was denied. And then the judge continues into his rationale. And um, it, what, what is he, the judge is explaining kind of in legal jargon is that he is supposed to look at all of the information, assuming that the information is true. So the court case has not gotten or not entered in, they have not talked about evidence or uh, imported evidence. So he's, he's even assuming that the DNC's allegations are true in his rationale, which is very interesting because it means that they haven't even been in court where they've tested the evidence. So the assumptions that the Russian Federation ostensibly got into the DNC servers and um, stole the information that was then given to WikiLeaks was just taken as uh, assumed to be correct, not proven to be correct, which are a very important or is a very important distinction. So he says the following facts are taken from the second amendment amended complaint and are accepted as true for purposes of this motion to dismiss. Quote, in the run-up to the 2016 United States presidential election, Russian intelligence services hacked into the DNC's computers, penetrated its phone systems, and stole tens of thousands of documents. So these are all assumptions. The DNC claims that the Trump campaign, quote, Trump campaign, unquote, welcomed the Russian Federation's help and was prepared to use the stolen information with the intent of hurting Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and helping Donald Trump win the presidency. Over a year before the 2016 United States presidential election, on June 16, 2015, Donald Trump announced his candidacy for president of the United States. Um, soon after, in July of 2015, a Russian intelligence agent codenamed Cozy Bear used stolen credentials to supposedly access the DNC's computer system in Washington, D.C. I added supposedly myself. So the, what the judge is saying is he's assuming all of this inf uh, information uh, is correct and kind of goes through this, the the opinions or, or the information that the, uh, the, demo, uh, the DNC actually is correct. So he's even assuming that everything's correct. He goes in kind of a detail. Um, 
detailed analysis. <clears throat> he says the DNC, quote, the DNC does not allege that any of the non-Russian Federation defendants actually participated in any of the hacks of, on the DNC's computer systems. Rather, the DNC argues that the campaign, the campaign defendants, Roger Stone, the Agalarovs, Mifsud, Assange, and WikiLeaks actively supported and approved of the Russian operation. So that's their allegation. The DNC points to various meetings between the defendants and individuals alleged to be connected to the Russian Federation and argues that the meetings are circumstantial evidence that the defendants conspired with the Russian Federation to steal the DNC's materials and publish them. So this is a, you know, a civil complaint. Um, they mentioned the meeting of Papadopoulos with Joseph Mifsud, a London-based academic. So they have the times and dates, March 14th, 2016, March 24th, 2016. So they're using these meetings, which uh, objective, I mean, in a different analysis and something not contained in this complaint, there, there's still um, an open discussion of who Mifsud was, who he was, was really working for. This alleges that Mifsud's working for the Russian military, but other allegations are that he was an asset of the United States at that time. Um, so, uh, here, uh, quote, May 26, 2016, Donald Trump clinched the Republican presidential nomination. So he's just kind of going through the recitation of all of the kind of known facts. He, uh, you know, has this kind of uh, meeting that took place at the Trump Tower, June 9th, 2016. The meeting that Emin Agalarov and Trump Jr. have been planning took place. Trump Jr., Manafort, Kushner met with Goldstone, Russian lawyer Natalia, Veselnitskaya, Agalarov, Irakol, Kavalazadze, so some Renat Agmeshchin, and a translator. So they're talking about Trump. So there's this kind of general recitation of these facts that um, are supposed to be, and then the judge is saying he's assuming them. So um, in Section D, Code of Rights, the DNC filed this action on April 20th, 2018. The court granted leave to file an amended complaint. And on October 3rd, 2018, DNC filed its first amended complaint. After several of the defendants moved to dismiss that complaint, the DNC filed the second amended complaint. Um, so it talks about all these causes of action. Um, defendants Kushner, Gates, WikiLeaks, and Campaign, Aras, and Emin Agalarov, Papadopoulos, Trump Jr., and Stone have moved to dismiss the second amended complaint. The Russian Federation has submitted a statement of immunity. Manafort and Assange were served with the second amended complaint, but have failed to respond by motion or answer. Uh, it's probably very hard for them to actually, uh, actually have difficulty to respond, uh, uh, considering their current troubles. That's my commentary. Mifsud has not yet been served, so he's a defendant in this case. He was never served. Um, and then uh, Section 4, Codal uh, kind of talks a little bit about, um, about a foreign sovereign, kind of goes in detail, and talks about torts, which is kind of a wrong. It's, it's a section within the general law of, of actions, civil actions, that uh, some, somebody commits a wrong to another person. But I'm just trying to get down to um, some of the, you know, he does a lot of Supreme Court quotes, but he kind of does this rationale. But I think really what's important is the, let's see, the campaign, this is Section 5, the campaign WikiLeaks, Kushner, and Papadopoulos moved to dismiss the claims against them based on the First Amendment. 
These arguments are joined by Gates, Trump Jr., and Stone. The Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University, the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, and the American Civil Liberties Unions have submitted an amicus brief in support of WikiLeaks' motion to dismiss on First Amendment grounds. The DNC argues that the defendants conspired with the Russian Federation to steal the DNC's emails, trade secrets, and other documents from the DNC's computer system and disseminate those materials to the public. The DNC does not claim that these stolen materials are false or defamatory. Let me repeat that statement. The DNC does not claim that the stolen materials are false or defamatory. Rather, the DNC seeks to hold the defendants liable for the theft and disclosure of the stolen materials under federal, Virginia, and District of Columbia law. The defendants argue that the DNC's claims against them are barred by the First Amendment because the DNC seeks to hold them liable for publication of documents that they did not help to steal. The defendants do not argue that the laws at issue are unconstitutional on their face. Accordingly, this is an, uh, this is an applied challenge to sorry. This, accordingly, this is an as applied challenge to those laws. So then we come back to Supreme Court versus United States, the landmark Pentagon Papers case. The Supreme Court held that the press's right to publish information of public concern obtained from documents stolen by a third party. Uh, it was a 1971 decision, 403 U.S. 713. The court held that there was a heavy presumption against the constitutional validity of prior restraints on publication for, of such information. Um, there, the court held, uh, and then he talks about some of these other cases, another Supreme Court case uh, titled... Smith vs. Daily Mail Publishing Co., uh, Bartnicki versus Vopper in 2001. The Supreme Court addressed the issue of civil liability for publishing stolen information. So you know, he's doing your kind of standard uh, civil law references to uh, court of highest authority, the Supreme Court, regarding these cases. Um, let's see... As Bartnicki makes clear, there is a significant legal distinction between stealing documents and disclosing documents that someone else had stolen previously. The parties do not dispute that the stolen DNC documents concern public issues. However, the parties disagree over, the, over whether the DNC has alleged, alleged plausibly that the defendants, other than the Russian Federation, participated in the theft of the documents. Let me repeat that sentence. However, the parties disagree over whether the DNC has alleged plausibly that the defendants, other than the Russian Federation, participated in the theft of the documents. The DNC has plainly alleged that the Russian Federation hacked the DNC's computers and stole its information. The second amended complaint alleges that the Russian GRU agents hacked into the DSC's, DNC's computer system on April 18, 2016. Then, from April 22nd to early June, GRU agents stole emails, alleged trade secrets, and other information from the DNC's computer systems. So they're saying that there was a, uh, the, D, uh, the DNC is alleging that that's the case. However, the DNC has not alleged that any defendant other than the Russian Federation participated in the hack of the DNC's computers or thefted the DNC's documents. The DNC argues that the various meetings and conversations between the defendants in this case with persons connected to the Russian government during the time that the Russian GRU agents were stealing the DNC's information show that the defendants conspired with the Russian Federation to steal and disseminate the DNC's materials. That argument is entirely divorced from the facts actually alleged in the second amended complaint. While the court is required to accept, accept the factual allegations in the second amended complaint, it is not required to accept conclusory allegations asserted as fact. 
For example, the DNC argues that its opposition to the current motions that the conspiracy between the Russian Federation and other defendants to hack the DNC's computers and steal its electronic information began on March 2016. However, the only events alleged to have taken place on March 2016 are that Manafort was hired as the campaign's convention manager. Papadopoulos was hired as a foreign policy advisor, and Papadopoulos met with Mifsud on March 14th and 24th. <clears throat> the entirety of the DNC's allegations regarding that March meetings between Mifsud and Papadopoulos are uh, Papadopoulos reported back. They do not uh, raise a plausible inference that the defendants agreed to participate with the Russian Federation in hacking the DNC's computers and stealing its documents. To the contrary, Mifsud is alleged to have told Papadopoulos about emails harmful to the Hillary Clinton campaign only after the Russian Federation had hacked the DNC and had those emails in its possession. So that's an important point. <clears throat> the DNC also repeatedly argues in its brief that WikiLeaks participated in the theft of the DNC documents. But in the second amended complaint, the DNC alleges that WikiLeaks first requested stolen DNC materials from Guccifer or Guccifer 2.0 only after the Russian Federation had only already stolen them and after Russian agents began disseminating them. The Second Amendment complaint does not allege that WikiLeaks agreed to participate in the theft or that it had any advanced knowledge of the Russian Federation that the Russian Federation was planning to hack the DNC. So it kind of goes over, there's mentions of Jerome Corsi, uh, he summarizes, Kotal summarizes, in short, the DNC raises a number of connections and communications between the defendants with people loosely connected to the Russian Federation, but at no point does the DNC allege any facts in the Second Amendment complaint to show that any of the defendants, other than the Russian Federation, participated in the theft of the DNC's information. <clears throat> the defendants, and this is Section C, defendants argue that because they are not alleged to have participated in the theft, they cannot be held liable for publishing those documents or encouraging such publication. The DNC argues that Bartnicki is distinguishable and that Bartnicki's holding does not apply to the DNC's claims for trade secret misappropriation. The DNC's argument for liability is strongest against WikiLeaks because it is the only defendant other than the Russian Federation that is alleged to have published the stolen information. The DNC alleges that WikiLeaks solicited stolen documents from the GRU, then coordinated with the GRU and the campaign defendants to publish the stolen documents at times helpful to the Trump campaign. So he kind of talks about uh, constitutional significance. Let's see. So there, he kind of addresses all these allegations, you know, and takes his time, talks about all of these statutes, RICO, RICO how whether they apply, provides proper citational authority or uh, citations. Let me just skip down to the end here and wrap this up. They talk about racketeering, whether they allege a RICO violation. I mean, it seems like the DNC kind of threw the, uh, the book at them. Let's see. For all the foregoing reasons, the plaintiff has failed to allege a violation of RICO. Therefore, the DNC's RICO claim is dismissed against all defendants. Um, let's see. Talks about the Wiretap Act. Now analyzes that. And then the DNC's trade secret claims are dismissed. So he's just working his way. The DNC's claims for conspiracy to commit trespass to chattels is dismissed. 
computer Virginia Computer Crimes Act are dismissed, so he kind of is going in. I'm trying to get a summation here. Conclusion. Let's see. The court has considered all of the arguments raised by the parties. To the extent not specifically addressed, the arguments are either moot or without merit. For the reasons explained above, the DNC's second amended complaint is dismissed with prejudice, and the campaign's motion for sanctions under Rule 11 is denied. The clerk is directed to enter judgment, dismissing the second amended complaint with prejudice. The clerk is also directed to close this case and to close all pending motions. So ordered, dated New York, New York, July 30, 2019. John J. Coltol, United States District Judge. So uh, when it's dismissed with prejudice, they cannot bring that case back. And I think this case is a very interesting case civilly because they were never able to really prove anything. Uh, the DNC was never able to prove anything con- conclusively in court that there was any conspiracy between the Russian Federation and any of the other defendants that were in there, whether it was Manafort uh, Trump Jr., Stone, all of these other kind of uh, uh, usual suspects uh, never really got to that point. And the judge assumed for the sake of the complaint that these were correct, but still found that uh, all of these arguments were without merit. And the second, it was dismissed with prejudice, so you'll never see this case again. And unfortunately, there really wasn't any uh, in-depth analysis of this case and its importance because it does kind of go to the Mueller report. I think that uh, some of the same arguments were made in the Mueller report, but taken as fact, um, something that this judge did not do. So you can see that document. Again, it is Democratic National Committee plaintiff against the Russian Federation et al. And uh, from the United States District Court, Southern District of New York. The judge, again, is Coltel, K-O-E-L-T-L. And I think it's also just kind of to emphasize the independence of the judiciary is also uh, something that is really something that this kind of due process, this kind of something that makes the system of government that we have uh, unique and also valuable is that uh, you can have independent analysis of some of these complaints by... um, an objective party that can analyze all these claims. So I give a lot of credit to Kotal and uh, interesting case. So I'll try to uh, do something similar when I read through the Mueller report sometime later, if I can get around to it and and, uh, really go into a more detailed analysis of that. But uh, yeah, so that was this case. Thank you.